again, I want to welcome you uh, to Emmanuel. If you are a guest, uh, we hope your experience thus far has been a good one. We've had you in mind, been praying for you. Uh, our environment is, is geared for you, and uh, we hope that this, this, uh, this service blesses you and that you'll come back. And if you're a regular attender, it is good to see you again. And we are starting a brand new series today called Being Spiritual. Uh, before I get to that, I just want to let you know, yesterday my wife and I, we ran the half marathon downtown, the monumental marathon. Anybody else run it? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. If you ran it and completed it, congratulations. If you ran it and didn't complete it, hey, good try. Nice job. Um, it was interesting. Well, my wife's been training, but, it, you know, I wanted to just run with her, and we run at different paces, so it was more of a, it was more of a sacrifice for me to... to so, man, that sounded... It sounded so bad. I love her. I love her. I want to give to her. So I'm like, no, I'll just, I'll just stay with you and I'll run with you. So we ran the whole thing together. So we were on like mile 12 or so. We we're just coming down the home stretch. And all of a sudden I hear like sirens, like whoop, whoop, like police. I'm like, where's that coming from? This is a race and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people everywhere. And sure enough, the, the, there were two police motorcycles coming up from behind us. And I'm thinking, somebody must have died up ahead. You know, this is terrible, right? But, but so they're like parting the way, and people are moving out of the way, and these two police motorcycles drive right past us, and we're, coming, we're on mile 12. And behind the motorcycles was the lead runner for the full marathon. <laughs> so he finished 26.2 before we finished 13.1. But we finished, and we had a great time. It was a really, it was like a date. It was like a, it was like a date. We did, you know. I was really mad when we got to the, to the mall parking lot, and, and uh, the guy, I gave the guy my ticket, and he said, uh, $10. I said, 10 what? You know, so, oh, it's, you just passed four hours, four hours and 10 minutes. And if we would have, you know, been at three hours and 59 minutes, it would have been $5, but I had to pay the guy 10 bucks. Unbelievable sometimes, you know? Anyway, <laughs> they just get you. Um, good times. So, so we're talking about being spiritual, and I, I need some work, obviously. So this is going to be a fun series to talk about. You know, we talk about being spiritual, or we use the word spiritual, or people say that they're spiritual. You know, it, it's hard to know what they mean. I mean, it's, very, it's almost cool and vogue and relevant to say, you know what, I'm, a, I'm spiritual, you know. Uh, a Pew poll just came out recently uh, that said that one in five Americans say that they are spiritual but not religious, that's interesting, don't you think? I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. In fact, last night after the service, a, a, a millennial, a girl under the age of 30, came forward and she said, oh my gosh, I've been saying that for years. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And for some reason, I felt drawn to come to this church tonight, and now I finally understand what spirituality means. Such a powerful moment. It's like, yes, that's exactly what we want to do in this series. We want to help people understand, what does it really mean to be spiritual? Are you spiritual if you come to church? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> Are you spiritual if you like to take walks in the woods, listen to the birds, and have a, have a feeling of peace as you connect with, I don't know, nature? Are you spiritual if you like animals? Are you spiritual if you like to I don't know, jump out of a plane and free fall out of the air? Some people think that's a spiritual experience. Maybe it is, I don't know. What does it mean to be spiritual? Are you spiritual if you're, if you're part of a religion? Maybe 
you're one of the, the 1.6 billion Muslims in the world today, or, or one of the billion Hindus there are in the world today. There's a billion Hindu people. It's incredible. There's 2.2 billion Christians in the world, or at least people who claim to be Christians. People are very spiritual. Does it make, if you're part of a religion, does that make you spiritual? We want to talk about some of these questions and, and provide some clarity. You know, in a general sense, I want to start this way. All people are spiritual beings, in your notes. All people are spiritual beings, meaning that everyone has a spirit. You were created in the image of God, and according to John, according to John I'm sorry, according to Jesus in, in John chapter 4, Jesus uh, said this, God is spirit, and you are created in the image of God. Whether you're affiliated with a religion or not, or whether you claim to be a Christ follower or a Muslim or whatever it is, maybe you're, you claim to be an agnostic or an atheist, you're still a spiritual person because you have a spirit. In other words, if you were to try to cut me open from like right here to my belly and just kind of open me up, it can be kind of gross, but if you were going to look inside of me for me, you wouldn't find me, would you? Because I am a spirit. In fact, if you cut me open from here to here, my spirit would leave my body, <laughs> and you would kill me. In fact, isn't that what happens at death? At death, your spirit, who you are, leaves the body. Your spirit's invisible. It's in there, but you can't see it. Well, in the same way that your spirit inhabits your body, God's spirit inhabits the universe, the world, inhabits this room. We can't see him, but he's here. You can go looking for him in space, you won't find him, but he's there. Why? Because he's a spirit, and, a spirit, and the spirit is invisible. Now you can see the effects. Right now you can see my spirit because inside of me I'm, I'm moving my hands and my mouth is moving. So you can see the effects of my spirit, you can't see my spirit. You can see my body, but the spirit is invisible. So in, in, a, in a very general sense, all people are spiritual beings, but that spirituality is incomplete according to the Bible. See, true spirituality, if we're going to look at it from the scriptures, which that's what we want to do, we take a journey here for the next four weeks and talk about what does it look like to be a really spiritual person or a real spiritual person. True spirituality is a matter of another reality. It's a matter of another reality coming to bear itself upon this reality that we experience right here and now. This, is, this was Jesus' message right out of the gate. In Matthew chapter 4, we see him start to preach, and this, is, this was his message. He says, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to turn around in your thinking, which that's what it means to repent, change the way you think, change your direction, and I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, another reality, a spiritual kingdom, has come into our kingdom. Wherever we live, wherever you live, in America, we, we happen to live in America. Well, another kingdom has come, and its presence is here. Jesus came to this earth, and with him he brought true spirituality. He brought true spiritual life. It was him, and it was in him. It was, the name of it is Zoe. It's spiritual life is what Jesus comes to offer us. And so that's why when Jesus was talking with a, a very spiritual person named Nicodemus, who was involved in religion, the Jewish religion, he said, there's something missing inside of you, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, verse 3. Even though you're a religious guy, even though you're affiliated with Judaism and you're a priest and all this stuff, watch this. Something else has to happen. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, there's, there's another reality here that has to, that has to come and, and, and become a reality in our lives, and that is the kingdom. And unless you are born again, unless something happens to you, 
You cannot see it. You cannot live in it. You cannot experience it. What does it mean to be born again? What means to be converted? It means to have your, put your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again the third day. And when, when a person puts their faith and confidence in Jesus, their spirit is born again. Physical birth gives us physical life. Well, if we want to have spiritual life, we must have a spiritual birth. You with me? That's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Yes, everyone's spiritual in general, but that spirituality is incomplete until they are born again. That is where true spirituality begins. Dallas Willard puts it this way. The spirituality that comes from Jesus is nothing less than an invasion of natural human reality by a supernatural life from above. You see, there's an invasion that's taking place. The, the kingdom of God has come into our midst. It's at hand. And if you should desire it, if you should want it, you can reach out and grab it and experience that eternal life and abundant life that is alone in Christ. Now, when a person does that, when a person is born again, something incredible happens. Many of you have done that. In fact, by a show of hands, how many of you have, you have put your confidence and faith in Jesus, Jesus and you've been born again? You've tasted that life. Yeah, many of you have. When that happens, according to the scriptures, again, we're looking at the Bible here to kind of figure out what true spirituality is. When that happens, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence inside your soul. That's what happens to you. It's an incredible thing. In, in, the, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul was trying to help the Corinthians understand how to avoid sexual immorality. And he uses this argument of, of the Spirit dwelling inside of us, dwelling inside of them, because they were born again, to help them understand how to live above sexual sin. Listen to what he says here. He says, don't you understand or don't you not know that your body is the temple of what? The Holy Spirit. Where is he? Yeah, he's within you, whom you have from God. And he continues, and we're going to come back to some of this in a little bit. He says, therefore, you are not your, what? He says, you're not your own. Another, another, another spirit has come to live inside your spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. What price was that? The very blood of Jesus. He bought you. He purchased you. You now belong to him. Therefore, since you're not your own and you're bought with a price, here's, here's, here's your orders, ready? According to your, your, how to handle your sexuality. Remember, that's the context of this passage. Here's how you handle your sexuality. Since you're not your own, you're bought with a price, the Spirit of God lives in you, in you. glorify God in your body. Do what honors him when it comes to your sexuality, not what pleases yourself. See that? That's incredible. That's one of the most, that's probably the most amazing truth in all of Christianity, that the, maybe other than the, the, the death and resurrection of Christ, that the Spirit of God comes to live inside of me and inside of you. And that is fantastic. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that most of us have stopped there. That's as far as we've gone in our spirituality. Yes, that is true spirituality, but we've gone no further. And the, and the reality is there is a lot more to, go, there's, a, there's a lot more ground to cover. There's a problem with that. There's a problem with stopping at just asking Christ to be your Savior and going no further. There's a problem. You know what the problem is? We don't change. We stay the same. We're the same people that we, are, that we were before we asked Christ to be our Savior. In the, years ago, um, 
this book was written a couple years ago. Um, it's called Unchristian, and I want to read to you some of the, it's basically a study on modern-day Christianity and what unbelievers think, what outsiders think about Christians. I want you to hear some of, the, some of their uh, findings. In virtually every study we conduct, representing thousands of interviews every year, born-again Christians fail to display much attitudinal or behavioral evidence of transformed lives. For instance, based on a, a, a study done in 2007, we found that most of the lifestyle activities of born-again Christians are statistically equivalent to those of non-born-agains. When asked to identify their activities over the last 30 days, born-again believers were just as likely to visit pornographic websites or take something that didn't belong to them, which is stealing, or consult a medium or a psychic to physically fight or abuse somebody, to have consumed enough alcohol to be considered legally drunk, to have used illegal non-prescription drugs, to have said something to someone that wasn't true, which is lying, to have gotten back at someone for something he or she did, which is vengeance, and to have said mean things behind another person's back, which of course is slander and gossip. No statistical difference. No difference. These are born-again believers. How's that possible? Well, it's because we, we pray the prayer, we ask Jesus to be our Savior, we do that here every week, and that's as far as we go. We don't take any further actions or make any further plans to transform our lives. And so there's no difference. In the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses some of these Christians who, who had been born again for about five years. Listen to what he says. Five years. He said the prayer, had the Holy Spirit, five years later, he writes this, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. Now, wait a second. I thought you just said to be a spiritual person, you have to be born again. Yes. Yes, that's where true spirituality begins. One is born again. But Paul is saying, look, I wanted to call you spiritual people, but I can't. I couldn't. Five years ago, you asked Christ to be your Savior, but you're still struggling. Listen to what he says. But now I can't call you spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. You still have the same attitudes, behaviors, mindset, habits that you had before you were a Christ follower. He calls them infants in Christ. Yes, you got saved, but, but five years later, you're still a baby, he says to them. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready for it, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is still jealousy and strife, or you can add pride or lust or greed or lying or deceit or whatever, you can add whatever in there, for there's still jealousy and strife among you. Listen to what he says. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? You say, guys, come on. By this time, you should be mature. You should, this, the Holy Spirit should like, have transformed your life, and the jealousy and the strife and the pride and the lust, all those things should be fading away by now, and it's not happening. Why? Because they hadn't taken steps, and they hadn't progressed in their maturity. See that? That can happen to you, that can happen to me. In fact, that happens to most born-again Christians, as the research shows. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we become truly spiritual people? Well, in your notes there, in your notes, we, you and I, must learn how to live in the kingdom of God. We must learn how to live in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I have come. I want you to repent and turn from living in your own little kingdom, in your own little world, and I want you to live in my kingdom. Now, what does that mean, to live in the kingdom of God? Well, it simply means this. It means that we must surrender to the leadership of the Spirit. You and I must surrender to the leadership 
It's very important. The leadership of the Spirit. Most of us live our lives, most of our lives are not under the direction of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean? What I mean is that we are not waking up every day saying, Jesus, I, I, I give you control of my life. I, I, I ask you to lead my life. You, I ask you to guide my life. And because we're not letting him lead and guide our lives, we're not changing. We're the same person we were five years ago. We have the Spirit of God, but He's not leading and guiding and directing our lives. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. He says, but I say to you, walk. This word walk simply means to conduct your life or the way you conduct your life. Conduct your life by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Be guided by the Spirit, he says. And watch what happens. If you do that, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, the old person you were. You will, you will not continue to live with the same habits and thought patterns and appetites and behaviors. and Those things will not continue to plague you if you walk by the Spirit. You're going to become a different person, Paul says. But that's not so simple. Why? Because watch what he says next. For the desires of the flesh, the person you were... <laughs> and uh, are against the desires of the Spirit, capital S, not your Spirit, but the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the desires of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, are, not, are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, so that you cannot do the things that you want to do. You see, there's an, there's an inner, inner battle. Has anybody ever recognized the inner battle that's going on inside? The Holy Spirit wants you to tell the truth, and your flesh is wanting you to, to, to manipulate and lie and deceive right? That's, that's that constant battle. The Holy Spirit's telling you, you need to show grace and forgive, and your flesh is saying, hold on to that grudge. Don't let him off the hook. <laughs> you feel this? You're on the road. Somebody cuts you off on 135 or 465 or 65, and, and the Spirit says, shh, and your flesh says, flip him off. Or better yet, a friend of mine said the other day that he had to, you know, chase after him, gun it, you know, hunt him down, get, right, get behind him, you know, get next to him, right? A friend, friend of mine said he did that a couple of years ago, and, and the guy pulled out a gun. <laughs> now he doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> the flesh and the spirit, they're going at each other, right? Here's what Dallas said, Dallas Willard, I love this. He said, Truth, he said, a person is a spiritual person. That's what this whole series is about. How do you become a truly spiritual person? A person is a spiritual person to the degree that his or her life is correctly integrated into and dominated by God's spiritual kingdom. To the degree that your life is surrendered to the leadership of the Spirit, dominated by the, by the kingdom of God, to that degree you are either spiritual or not spiritual. See, just because you showed up today at church, and you're going to do an hour and ten minutes or so at church, doesn't make you spiritual if your life is not surrendered to the leadership of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Affiliation to a church or, 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 or small group or, or even reading the Bible itself is not a spiritual, doesn't make you spiritual. You have to ask yourself, am I, am I still behaving, as Paul said, in a merely human way? Am I still angry most of the time? Am I still jealous? Am I still anxious and worried and filled with fear? Hmm. See, that's acting in merely a human way. 
That's how you know whether or not you're progressing. So how does this actually work? Well, Paul gave us some really good insight here in Romans chapter 6. He, he said something incredible. He said, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to present your members. I'm going to explain what this means. I don't want you to present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather I want you to present your members as instruments of righteousness uh, to God, as instruments of righteousness, as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members, sorry, I messed that up, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. So Paul's basically saying here, you have some members. What does that word mean, members? Well, it means the parts of your body. That's what it means. So, for instance, your hands are members. Okay? I want you to present your members to me. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here. The word present means to stand next to or offer up. Picture a, a lieutenant or, or a commanding officer who's going to give orders to his soldiers, and the soldier shows up, and he presents himself, or, he, or she presents herself to her commanding officer, right? And then, and then he or she does whatever the commanding officer does. That's what the word present means. So we're going to present or offer. Some translations use the word yield to the leadership of my commanding officer. I'm going to give him my hands. I'm also going to give him my feet. Feet are nasty, I know. But they take you places, don't they? How do you end, how'd you end up here today? Your feet. See? You got in the car and you drove. See? I have to present my feet to the leadership of the Spirit. Where do you want me to go? Oh, it's interesting, right? What about these, these guys right here? I need to present what I listen to. I can't just listen to whatever I want to listen to because what did Paul say? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You don't get to choose your own music. Uh-oh. Did I just say that? Yeah, I did. As a Christ follower, you don't get to choose your own music. You present your ears to the Spirit. Say, is that what you want me to listen to? You're at a conversation at work, and they're gossiping about the boss, or they're slandering one of the, I don't know, executives in the company. You don't get to choose what to listen to. See, you're, you're, you're surrendered to the leadership of the Spirit. Does that make sense? That's a whole other level of spirituality. It's not legalism. It's just presenting my members to him. What about these guys right here? Uh-oh. <laughs> Somebody like, did you have to bring up the eyes? Well, they're members of the body. I need to present my eyes to God. It was Job who said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman with lust. Job 31, verse 1. You're not free to look at whatever you want to look at. You're not free to just get on YouTube and browse. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're not free to just watch whatever you want to watch on television. You're not. Because you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your eyeballs. See how that works? What does it look like to surrender to the leadership of the Spirit? I take my eyeballs and my ears and my feet and my hands, and I present them to him, and I say to him, you're in charge I want to glorify you with my body. And then the most important one, what do you think it's going to be? It's the brain. It's the brain. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I, I need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought captive. 
In Philippians 4, 8, he said, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent of good report, think about these things, right? In another couple other passages, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your thoughts every single day, right? Do you offer your mind to God or do you just think about whatever you want to think about? See, I, I, this is a whole different idea, we, we, some people think, oh, I'm spiritual, I go to church. I'm spiritual, I do this. Or I'm spiritual, I read the Bible. Well, how about, how about your thought life? What are you thinking about through the day? Oh, I didn't know about that. Well, yeah, present your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Don't present them to sin. You're not free to think about what you want to think about. So let's, let's push down a little bit more practically here. How does that, what does that look like? On, a, on an everyday basis. I, I can't say it better than C.S. Lewis, so I'm just going to read it from, from, his, from his book, Mere Christianity. You know i got to get some C.S. Lewis in there, right? What does this look like practically? He says this in, in his, towards the end of his book, which is the best part of the book. He says the real problem of the Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals, and the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back. Now, here's the key. In listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day. Standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings and coming in out of the wind. It starts the moment you wake up, saying, I'm going to listen to that other, larger, stronger, quieter life. I'm going to let it flow inside of me. I'm going to push back all my fleshly desires. This is what Jesus was getting at, I believe, when he said, unless you take up your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. See? Those, those, those thoughts go together. I'm going to allow the cross to crucify my flesh in the morning and so on all day long and let that other life dominate my life. So let me push down a little bit more into what that looks like practically. My money. My money. That's not a part of my members. That's not my eyes, my hands, but that's, that's part of the heart, the desires. So what it looks like is, Jesus, I'm about to make this purchase, Spirit of God, is this okay? See? Purchasing a 60-inch television on Black Friday, is that what it's called? I've never been to one, so I'm not sure, and that doesn't make me more spiritual, I've just never wanted to fight lines or anything like that. But purchasing a television on Black Friday turns out to be a very spiritual event, or not. See, spirituality is holistic. What do I mean by that? It includes purchasing televisions. We're going to go to lunch after this, right? So what are you going to eat? Well, that's a spiritual issue. Spirit of God, what should I eat? There's a fajita burger at, at um, Applebee's. There's a fajita burger. I had it once. 1,800 calories in one burger. Now, it was one of the most amazing, I thought it was a spiritual experience when I ate it. <laughs> and we have an Applebee's manager here. You know what I'm talking about? You guys still have that? It's amazing. 
But after I had that burger, I thought, well, you know, you know I, that's not good management of my body. See, I can't handle 1,800 calories in one meal. I'm supposed to have 2,000 for the day, for the day. <laughs> right? So it's a spiritual issue. What am I going to eat today? Right? What about free time? Spirit of God, I've got a couple of hours here. What am I going to do with this? I'm not my own. I don't get to choose and pick what I get to do with free time. What do I do? Lead me. See? Spirituality, it, it encompasses your free time and your purchases and your food intake. Wow. Some of you struggle with exercise. Have you asked the Spirit, should I, should I go exercise? You know what he's going to say? You should probably go exercise. It's a spiritual issue. It's not about vanity, looking good. It's about being healthy and being a, a manager of the body that God has given you to live in and getting it to function at its highest value, at its highest potential. So that's a spiritual issue. What does it really mean to, to be spiritual? It means I'm taking every, my whole life, and I'm surrendering it to the life of the, to, of the Holy Spirit and asking him to guide me. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And it starts first thing in the morning. Now, the results are miraculous. The results are miraculous. I can't say it. Miraculous. <laughs> the results are miraculous if you do this. It truly is miraculous. What do I mean? Well, it's gonna, you're going to have, you, you know, the God of the universe, life from above, coming down, helping you to do this stuff. Picture, picture a life where your dominant emotions are love, joy, and peace instead of anger, fear, and worry. Wouldn't that be something? Instead of anxiety, you have deep levels of peace consistently, no matter what's going on in your life. Well, that's miraculous. See, most people live and they're domi- with the dominating emotions of fear, anger, and worry, and anxiety. Am I right? Yes or no? Yes or no? Well, when your life is surrendered to the Spirit and He's leading you, the dominant emotions are going to be His dominant emotions. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, this, these are the emotions and, and the qualities of the Spirit. So as I live and as you live with the Spirit, the result or the fruit of living in the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. There it is. He also adds patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Could you use some of these qualities <laughs> in your marriage? In your relationship with your kids? How about patience? It's beautiful. I've been surrendering my life to the Spirit, trying, trying, failing, trying, failing, trying with my children. It's just now really starting to work. <laughs> you know, because we've got, we've got three kids that just do about everything, you know, the wrong way. <laughs> Anybody else feel my pain, our pain? So I need some of this right here. I can't, this is otherworldly. I'm not capable of this in my own strength. But when my life, when I'm living in the kingdom, surrendered to the Spirit, His life comes flowing down on into me. And I'm able to demonstrate patience because I've surrendered to Him. Now, if I don't surrender to Him, I can still be a spiritual person. I'm born again. I'll go to heaven when I die. But there's so much more. There's so much more available to you and I than just going to heaven when we die. Do you agree with this? Are you getting this? This is life-changing stuff. Imagine a life where because you're so surrendered to Jesus and the Spirit, you've given outcomes over to him. Maybe somebody has cancer, or maybe there's a job situation. And you just give the, you give the outcome over to him. So instead of fear and worry and anxiety, you have deep levels of peace. Because you have just taken that thing, you've cast that burden onto him. Because you know he loves you, and you know he's sovereign, and you know he's good, he's going to take care of it. 
That's, that's true spiritual life. Imagine a life where the, the sin that trips you up, I don't know what it is, what you struggle with. Imagine a life where that sin no longer looks attractive. It actually looks like the filth that it is. Can you imagine having that perspective? And how would that happen? Well, the Spirit of God is grieved by sin. Maybe it's lying or pornography or stealing or whatever your particular sin is that you struggle with. He, that grieves him. He hates that sin. So as you yield to him and walk with him and live with him, now you take on his perspective on that sin and you begin to hate it. Well, what do you do with things that you hate? You don't touch it. For instance, I hate spinach. Guess what? I don't eat it. It's really that simple. What if, what if I felt that about, you know, about sin the way I felt about spinach? I'd never touch it. So that's it. What, how do you get there? Well, you, you, you have the Spirit's perspective on that sin. This is life-changing stuff. So what ends up happening is you get set free from the sin that has plagued you for years and perhaps decades. Freedom of that sin. Imagine a life, imagine a life where your social sins go away. What do I mean by social sins? Well, you know, evasiveness and passive aggressiveness and manipulation and deceit, defensiveness, which is really a manifestation of pride, is it not? When somebody critiques you, you get defensive, right? Imagine all that stuff goes away because you have basically placed your life under the leadership of the Spirit and he's producing in you a deep sense of security and humility where you don't have to try to control situations and manipulate people to do things your own way. All that fades away. Listen, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about abundant life, rich and satisfying life, not just going to heaven when you die. How do you get that? You get that by surrendering to the leadership of the Spirit. Here's what Dallas Willard said, and I use him a lot because he's basically my mentor, even though he's dead. <laughs> um, he's written some books. He says, that life, that life that surrendered to the Spirit will be poised to become a life that is of the same quality as Christ. Because it is indeed Christ. He really does live on in us. See, what I'm talking about is, is developing a life that is of the same quality as Jesus' life. And he was the happiest, most fulfilled, most satisfied, most peaceful human being to ever walk this planet. He was the most spiritual being to ever walk this planet. And your life can become of the same quality as his. Because, why? Because, because, you're, because you're a good person? No, because he, his spirit comes to live on in us. In fact, the reason we sit here today, 2,000 years after Christ rose from the dead, is because enough people, enough people have figured that out to continue the whole ministry 2,000 years later. Not everybody has figured out, but enough people have figured out to surrender to the Spirit and let Christ live through them. And so here we sit today. It's quite amazing. A couple years ago, I read a verse that God gave me in Galatians chapter 6, and it set my course to understand years later um, some of the things I'm learning today. And that was Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. And I want to share it with you. We're going to wrap up here. He says, the, what Paul says, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. In other words, if I continue to just live and, and feed my flesh, remember this, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these two are opposed to each other. If I continue to feed the flesh, well, then I'm going to continue to get what I've gotten over all these years, which is guilt and shame and maybe a couple of addictions, 
bad habits, fleshly behavior. That's the corruption Paul's speaking of. If I continue to sow into the flesh. However, if I sow to the Spirit, watch what happens. I will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So years ago, I just decided, I just made a decision. I am going to stop feeding my flesh and I'm gonna start feeding the Spirit. I'm gonna start cultivating the Spirit in my life, giving Him control and leadership, praying like Jesus take over and I surrender my heart to you and however I could say it back then, years ago, I started saying those things. I give my life over to you, Romans 6.13, I give my hands to you, my eyes to you and stumbling and bumbling over all of that for years. And today I stand before you sharing the same ideas. Will you present yourself to God? as an instrument for righteousness, to fulfill his will on earth. The results will absolutely be miraculous. And here's the deal, you will find true spiritual life. So I, want to, I gave you a prayer in your notes there that you can pray in the morning. As um, C.S. Lewis has suggested, we start this first thing in the morning. And here's the prayer. Father, today I surrender all of me to the leadership of your spirit. Take my hands and my feet, my eyes and my ears, my mind and my mouth, my legs and my arms, my fingers and my toes, and use them for your purposes in this world. The simple prayer, I'm not my own. I yield myself to your leadership. You say that in the morning, and then just, see, and just watch what happens. And, you know, when it comes to your money or when it comes to your free time or it comes to your sexuality or whether it comes to what you're, what you're watching on television or listening to in your iPods or whatever, and just, just watch and see how much you really do kind of live your own life. It's amazing. You have a moment at church or a moment at small group or maybe a moment in the Bible, and the rest of the time, you're pretty much in charge, calling the shots all day long. That is not true spiritual life. Just, just try this out, and you, just, you watch and see if there's results in your life. You will love what you find, and then you'll want more, and then you're going to want to surrender more and more and more to him. Because he just, he's, a, he's like, he's a gentleman. So if, if you let him in, he comes in, but he won't barge in. That's the spirit. He won't just come in and take the wheel. But if you, if you invite him in, he comes in gently, and he starts to guide and direct and lead your life. And your marriage blossoms. Your relationship with your children blossoms peace floods your heart, you're able to be patient, all these different things start happening. Now, for those of you who are here today and, and you're not a believer, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to, to, to basically do what Jesus said, to be born again. Unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Well, how do you do that? Well, in John chapter 6, Jesus showed us. Jesus, this is how you get born again. Watch this. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever puts his confidence and trust in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins. What do you have to believe? That Jesus died on the cross for you. That three days later, he rose again. Why? So that he can wash away all of your sins. See, that's the thing that, that prevents us from being in a relationship with God. It's sin. God and sin can't mix. But Jesus, when he died on the cross, washed away all that sin, making it possible for us to re be reunited with him in a relationship. And when you place faith and confidence in Jesus, when you believe in him, that's when you receive eternal life. Many have done it thus far this year. Over 800 people have put their faith in Christ. Perhaps, perhaps today is the day that you do it. You say, how do I do it? Well, you pray. You reach out to Christ in faith through prayer, and you ask him to come into your life and forgive your sins. And I'm going to lead you in that prayer right now. So if you feel God tugging on your heart in this moment, 
put your faith in Christ, and you'll be born again and receive eternal life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If that's you right now, just say this simple prayer. It's the faith in the prayer that saves you from your sins. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you did it to wash away all my sin. So right now, I embrace forgiveness. I embrace your love. I want to be your child. I place my faith in you. And for the rest of my life, I want to honor you. I want to live for you. I want to surrender my spirit to the leadership of your spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just put your faith in Christ, it is absolutely essential that you begin reading the scriptures because guess who wrote the scriptures? The Holy Spirit. And so as you read the scriptures, he begins to guide you and instruct you. And so that's why every single week, for those who put their faith in Christ, we like to give away a Bible. And there's tables back here to my left and to my right. So if you put your faith in Christ today, would you please go back there and just say, hey, I'd like to have one of those one-year New Testaments. And the reason we like to give out this particular Bible is because it's broken down into daily readings according to today's date. So it's about a five or six-minute reading. It's very short, very simple, but very powerful. And as you begin to read the scriptures every day, God will begin to speak to you and guide your life. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? What would happen? What would happen in your life? What would happen in our community? What would happen in your relationship with your children, with your ex-wife, with your ex-husband? What would happen if you surrendered your life to the leadership of the Spirit of God? What would happen? Well, I tell you what would happen. You would become a truly spiritual person, having a life of the same quality as that of Jesus Christ. That's what you were created for. I hope that you'll begin doing this. I gave you the prayer. You can start today. You can start tomorrow. And then uh, we'll talk about the results next week. Hey, next week is week two of being spiritual. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to be talking about living for the audience of one. It's going to be great. Let's pray and then uh, we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much for an opportunity to speak on your behalf. And I hope you're honored. I hope you said what you wanted to say uh, through my voice. And uh, God, I I pray that you take the words and and produce lots and lots of fruit in your people for your honor and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bring a friend.